Good morning. This morning we are reading from John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back, seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, 
do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Please pray with me. Our God, we ask that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Amen. We live in a visual culture. Those of you who are older think of what it was like to be young. We have become now a visual culture. Movies are our stories. You know, have you read The Lord of the Rings? No, but I've seen the movie. You can have an entire conversation with your friend by texting them just emoji symbols. An entire conversation with meaning with just emojis. Uh, We share worldwide memes that become famous on social media. And we have these phones that are highly complex, powerful, excellent cameras that we just have in our pockets and we can take all sorts of uh, pictures, right? Uh, The comedian Jim Gaffigan said that that he he has more pictures of his children than his dad ever looked at him when he was growing up. We are a visually based society. Visual stimulation is so accessible to us, right, that even from the age of three, you can get addicted to whatever you're watching or viewing. Digitally native humanity um, has seeing access, if you will, to almost everything, right? But if you were blind, literally blind, your experience of today's world would be quite different, wouldn't it? You know, near my office in downtown Westminster, I, I have really been blessed to watch a, a man teach blind children um, in instruction lessons how to navigate those busy streets uh, by using other senses. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a, a teacher of the blind give instruction to a blind child just on Main Street, just trying to teach the child how to survive in this world by using their other sense as well. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are all blind, literally blind, but in a spiritual sense, okay? The Bible teaches us that humanity, every single one of us, is born blind in a spiritual sense, and we will remain spiritually blind unless God somehow intervenes. And so in John chapter 9, in Jesus' encounter with this man born blind, we see, if I can use the word, we see this concept of spiritual blindness illustrated in this blind man, in the Pharisees, in Jesus, and in all that takes place. Spiritual sight is recognizing God's goodness, and God's good works in Jesus Christ. Spiritual sight is recognizing God and his goodness and the good things that he is doing 
through his son, Jesus. And today we're just going to talk about Christianity and that it is basically having your eyes opened for you. Being a Christian means that you've had your eyes opened. But being a Christian also means keeping your eyes open. It's just as important. And resting your eyes on Jesus and only Him. Having your eyes open for you, keeping them open, and then resting them on Jesus Christ. That, in, in, in a simple way, is what Christianity is about. And if you're not a Christian yet or you're trying to understand what it means to follow Jesus, I'm glad you're here today. And, and for those who are Christians, there's still a whole lot to see in John chapter 9. So let's begin. Christianity is having your eyes opened by Jesus Christ. And the first thing we should look at here is just the simple facts of the account and how important they are. Let's see what it says. Jesus is in Jerusalem in the area of the temple. And John tells us uh, that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So obviously, he, this man had a congenital problem. He was blind from birth. He nor his parents could, could do nothing about it. And this impacted him for his whole life. He was forced to beg. And there is clearly, as you read the whole passage, there is a palpable emotional distance between him and his parents. They're very much in the background. And even when his parents are approached, they're keeping their son at arm's length. They won't fully defend him. And now the common ancient assumption was, well, your suffering is totally your fault. If you are suffering, if you have some natural condition like even blindness, well, something must have happened. You must have sinned. Maybe you even sinned in the womb or your parents sinned and that's why you're blind or that's why you have some affliction. Now, before you laugh at that as being simplistic, the ancients thought that way. Even the ancient Greeks felt that your appearance had something to do with your moral fiber and character. If there was something wrong with you physically or if something unfortunate happened to you, well, it must in some way be your fault. And as a matter of fact, the book of Job in the Old Testament highlights humanity's continual struggle trying to understand the relationship between suffering and sin and how they're related. Right? You remember the story of Job, or you should at least look at it. Job's friends assumed, just like Jesus' disciples do here, that Job had sinned, that Job had done something wrong to deserve his terrible suffering. But Job's friends and Jesus' disciples were wrong. And Jesus says it was not that this man has sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus is highlighting a theme throughout the Bible that although human suffering does originally spring from the sin of our parents, Adam and Eve, and that some suffering really is your own fault. Look, I have sinned and, and, and made a mess of things in my life that are totally my fault, you know, my bad. But Jesus is shedding light on a deeper theme that much of human suffering is not, is not simply because of people's specific sins, but because of brokenness. Brokenness, genetic mutations, 
entropy, natural disasters, experiential ignorance, right? You've made mistakes and have had to dealt with the consequences just because you had never gone through that before. You were ignorant or you were naive of the situation and, and you made a poor choice or used a lack of judgment and then had to deal with the consequences for it. That's not necessarily sin. And so Jesus is saying there's something much deeper at work here when you look at broken, when you look at human suffering. It is not always because somebody has sinned. And he adds something more profound. He says that God's sovereign purposes are even woven into our suffering. That God even works in, through our suffering and because of it. And that God and his purposes are greater than our suffering. And that is a truth that every Christian who follows Jesus must, must eventually come to terms with. Just as the Apostle Paul had to come to terms with it when he had that nagging ailment that he called a thorn in his flesh that never went away. And Jesus said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so to illustrate that very idea, the man born blind becomes the man who sees. And those are the simple facts of the situation, but the meaning of the situation is even more important. This is not simply a miracle showing kindness to this individual. It was certainly that. This was an act of mercy and compassion to this man who had been born blind and begged all of his life. But it is even more than that, John is telling us. It's a sign of God's power, and it's a sign of the mission of Jesus. This, this miracle, sorry, I'm, I'm having problems with my, speaking of affliction, with my ear microphone. This is more than a miracle as a mercy to an individual. It is a sign of the mission of Jesus. We have a congenital spiritual defect. We have a congenital blindness disorder. And so, yeah, we, we go through life using our other senses, right? I mean, look at you, right? Most of you went to school, you got some kind of degree, or you have a job, or you did something productive at some point in your life. We're not all terrible all the time. We have other senses, and we use them to get by in this life. And some of you are quite impressive in how you have learned to manage using your other senses. But Jesus teaches us we're still blind. And God must remove that blindness. And really, faith, in a simple uh, description of what faith is, faith is responding to the power of God in you. Faith is saying, like the blind man did, one thing I do know that I was blind, and now I see. In the simplest form, faith is saying, I was helpless, and God rescued me, and God changed me. Faith is seeing your, formal help, your former helplessness and the fact that God changed you. Christianity is having your eyes open by Jesus and recognizing that it's he who did it. And the man who once was blind illustrates beautifully even more than faith. He illustrates the other half of the Christian life, repentance. Faith and repentance. Faith 
and repentance. That's following Jesus. And he illustrates repentance. Christianity is keeping your eyes open as you follow Jesus. He opens your eyes, which is something that only God can do, but now you have to keep them open as you follow him. We still must rely on Jesus through his Holy Spirit and and his Holy Word, the Bible, and his people to keep our eyes open unless we drift back into darkness and forget who we are and lose his sight, lose his perspective on things. And Jesus stresses this to his disciples even before he healed the man. He said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now, you know, you, you, you can't see in the dark, and so you can't do things effectively in the dark. You don't cook in the dark. You turn on the kitchen light so that you can see what you're doing. And Jesus is saying, while I'm with you, it is time to do the works of God. When the dark comes, you can't. He was talking about his crucifixion, which we'll look at in the next couple of months. But for us who are past his crucifixion and past his resurrection, it is the day. Now is the time. Now is the only life we have before Christ returns to do God's work while there is still light. And in the light, we can be effective. And in the light, we can have a purpose. The Apostle Paul understood this, and it's how he prayed for Christians. It's how he prayed for Christians in Ephesus when he said to them in Ephesians chapter 1, this is how I'm praying for you. And one of the things he said was, I'm praying that you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which God has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Paul was praying that they would keep their eyes open, that they would grow in Jesus and more and more understand who they are because of what Jesus had done for them. Keeping your eyes open, that's what repentance is. We put our faith in Christ and say, wow, I couldn't have done that. Jesus opened my eyes. And now we walk with Christ and we keep our eyes open and that's repentance. And the result of faith that leads to repentance, the result of our repentance is true witness as his disciples. And that's also illustrated in this man who was healed of his blindness. You have all these people pestering him and asking him, what happened to you? What happened to you? Right? And what does he say to them? In verse 9, he says, it says, some said, right, because they're, they're like, isn't that the guy? Isn't that the guy that's always begged, right? You know what I'm talking about. You've, you've seen the same people walking down the same street in the same spot asking for help, right? You know what I'm talking about. They, they, everybody knew him. And this, isn't that the guy, the blind beggar? Isn't that him? And, and it says some said it is he and others said no, but it's like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. See, that's a beautiful illustration of what it means to follow Jesus in a way that others notice, right? You are the same person and you are not the same person. So people look at the, the you and they remember the old you and they go, yeah, it, uh, it's like him. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's following Jesus with your eyes open. Now seeing, right, now seeing 
your perspective changes. And as your perspective changes, well, you, you live differently. But your perspective has to have changed. So I want you, my, my, my encouragement, my invitation to us today is to ask God for the faith to see what he's doing in your life. Ask God for the faith to see what he's doing in the world, in your neighbors, even in your enemies, in your coworkers, and your children. Ask God for the faith to see what Jesus is doing. And listen, if you're not a Christian, we are asking God to open the eyes of your heart so that you can see Jesus for who he truly is. And for the rest of us, if we are following Jesus, we have to ask God for the grace to keep our eyes open, to live in repentance, walking in the light, as it says in another one of John's writings. That's not just seeing, for instance, the conflict in Ukraine from CNN's perspective or fill in the blank, whatever your source is. It's not just seeing Ukraine from that journalistic perspective or that social media perspective. It's, it's seeing it from God's perspective. Repentance is not just seeing your child's learning disability from the perspective of their teacher when the IEP comes in, or the school administrator, or the counselor, or the doctor, or even your parents, or your own experiences. It's seeing your child's disability from God's perspective. That is keeping our eyes open as we follow Jesus. Natural born spiritual blindness is our sinful condition. We have to see this. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? You have to realize you're poor, spiritually speaking. It's the same thing as saying you have to realize that you were blind and you still have, you, you still have seeing a, a propensity for not seeing clearly. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a spiritual condition that none of us can help on our own. And, and listen, this is your pastor telling you with fear and trembling that the people in the story who do not believe are the religious professionals. It's the religious leaders who are looking at Jesus and the blind man saying, no, we don't buy it. Right? They're pestering, they're pestering the blind man and they're saying to him, we, what happened? How did it happen? We don't believe you were blind. We don't believe what Jesus was doing. Tell us again how it happened. They're driving him crazy, and he actually outwits them. This guy's got his act together. He wasn't doing anything while he couldn't see. He, 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 Jesus, Jesus not only opened his eyes, but he has an amazing perspective, and he outwits them, and he schools them, and they're deeply incensed by that, and they, and they literally say to him, you were born in utter sin. There's that false assumption again that it's his own fault. They say, you were born in utter sin, and you think you're going to teach us, and it says they cast him out, and that means they kicked him out of the synagogue. That meant he wasn't allowed back. That's like what we call as Christians excommunication. That's why his parents wouldn't defend him, because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue for fear of being seen as followers of Jesus. 
That's the result of blindness. The real proof of spiritual blindness is you cannot see Jesus for who he is. And you cannot recognize what he's doing in people's lives. That's the proof of spiritual blindness. It's pride. And, and so, you know, Jesus reaches out to the guy and they overhear Jesus ministering to this man. And then they approach him and they ask that famous question, oh, are we blind also? And he says, yes, you are. But, but he said, the reason you're blind is because you think you can see. Jesus would say to the church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation, you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I, it's like, w- imagine if there was a letter to the church in America, right? Just imagine Jesus saying, you think you need nothing, and I'm telling you, you are blind. That's Jesus talking to the Christians, okay? So, so, so we, have, we need his power to keep our eyes open. And Christianity is not only living with your eyes open, but it is resting those eyes on Jesus and looking nowhere else. We've talked about having Jesus open your eyes, but then looking at him and keeping your eyes on him and now resting your eyes on Jesus. There's this beautiful passage in Hebrews chapter 2 where the writer says, look, essentially a paraphrase, he says, look, I know you look at the world and it doesn't look like God is reigning and it doesn't look like Jesus has yet conquered all of his enemies of sin and darkness and evil. And that's obvious as we see our lives and we look at the news and we see what's happening in the world. And then it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, but we do see Jesus now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This is what spiritual sight does for you. Regardless of what's happening in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your disability, in Ukraine, we see Jesus on his throne glorified because he suffered and died for us. You know, Jesus wasn't born blind, but he would suffer death for that man who once was blind. That is what faith sees in Jesus Christ, a God who has compassion, a God who suffered for you. And once you see that, once the eyes of your soul see that Jesus suffered for you and understands your suffering, you'll look nowhere else. You will rest your eyes on Jesus. Even though the man once blind was deserted by his religion, which kicked him out, was deserted by his family, Jesus heard about it. John tells us in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And then it says that he went and found him. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe you can relate to this guy. 
good things start happening in your life, you feel like God is starting to move and then God's people reject you. That's actually what happened here. The miracle happens and then the leaders reject him and kick him out. And if that's ever happened to you, if you have felt rejected or marginalized by religion or religious people, I am so sorry. Okay, on behalf of all of us, on behalf of the Christian church, I apologize. We, we should rejoice at what God is doing in people and not make them feel twice as worse as they did before he started working in them. I want you to see what we are still as his, as his disciples trying to learn ourselves. That when Jesus heard he had been kicked out of the synagogue, he found the man and said, do you believe in me? I'm the Messiah. And the man believed. So if you feel rejected by people and rejected by religion, even if you have, like this man did, strained relationships with your family and the people in your life, Jesus was also rejected. Jesus even had a, challenge, a, a complicated relationship with his own biological family. And he is pursuing you. Jesus is pursuing you, no matter who has rejected you. And spiritual sight is seeing, is recognizing that in the person of Jesus Christ, God is working in the world and God is pursuing you. That's what it means to have your eyes open and keep them open and rest them on Jesus Christ. So ask God for the faith to see what Jesus is doing in the world and in you. And I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for revealing to us wonderful things in your word. Thank you for opening the eyes of the blind. Thank you for opening broken, hardened hearts to see Jesus for who he is. May we embrace who he is. May we embrace his mission. May we allow him to pursue us. And Father, keep our eyes open and may we rest them on Christ alone. Amen.